everybody, I'm Theo Fleury, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Your hosted Jason along with Chris. Yo. And this week, our big number 200 show. We've actually made it through 200 shows so far, amazingly. Amazing. So se- seven seasons, about seven seasons, right? Give or take, whatever it is. Seven seasons, sure. 200 shows. Uh, so we said we're going to bring somebody on for a big 200 show. And in my opinion, really big. So to me, if you think oh, he's you, very local, big, big in stature as well. Let me say that too, as well. But to <laughs> me, you think like St. Louis music, the first name that comes up is Steve Ewing. So Steve Ewing of the urge. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. What's up y'all. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, yeah, thank you for being on. So we have a lot of, a lot of stuff to go over. So I want to talk about obviously your music, obviously some urge stuff. Cause I mean, I think for me, Chris, I know Chris is, a, I'm not taking a shot here, Chris, like a slightly older than me. So, hey, man, I, I know. so I, like, was, I worked at the point back in the day when we were playing urge songs as currents. Exactly. So. That's what I'm saying. And that's and I listened to that. So that's like, like my wheelhouse and stuff. So it was very, so it was very, uh, very excited for me to do this. So we got, we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about Steve's hot dogs, which is uh, awesome. So I want to talk about uh, oh God. everything that's going on there. And also Steve's got some upcoming dates we're going to talk about, but most importantly, to make it obviously we're a blues podcast. So the thing we want to talk about is uh, the blues uh, goal song, which is done by Steve and the urge. So let's get into everything right now. So uh, first off, obviously um, from when I started to uh, listen like to the urge. So I went through like discography. So it's one of the things I kind of like doing my research, going back and figuring things out. And I missed like the early stuff of yours. So your band formed back at about 89 was the first uh, album that you put out. So bust me that 40 was the first one. Uh, So 88 or 89. I think, yeah, I think it was 89. Yeah. Yeah, So, and you have a two other albums under a different label before you moved over to immortal records. Uh, So how was that early stuff compared to like kind of when you moved over to immortal records? Uh, The early stuff was definitely more ska. And funk, and that was that was yeah. what was influencing us at the time. Um, I was big into ska, and so was uh, the rest of the guys. So that's kind of our thing. It had, you know, the big horn section and all that. So it was definitely had more of that, like, you know, two tone ska kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it took a while for us to kind of morph into what we what we do now, our sound. And I think. I think that came from just getting Jerry and John in the band. So Jerry, uh, Jerry Jost and John Pizzoni mm-hmm. joined the band slightly, like just before we put out receiving the gift of flavor, okay. uh, which, was, which was a more record. So they joined before that. And that changed the sound completely. The two of them are two they have a different style of playing, different sound, the whole thing. So that, that totally changed the sound and some different influences that came in too. So it was just really nice. Um, our sound began to really kind of become solid. You know what I mean? It wasn't kind of mm-hmm. all over the place. 
becoming actually solid. You can say, okay, that's the urge, you know. Gotcha. So, so well, who, I'll go ahead, Chris. I'm going to jump in as the uh, the elder here. Um, I went to uh, I went to high school uh, at the same school that Bill went to. We at the Zoom Alt South. Okay. Um, cool. So I remember even before I saw you guys live for the first time, hearing of the urge. And my my first urge concert ever was at Mississippi Nights. My ears rang for three days afterwards. It <laughs> yeah, was we the had the greatest yeah. thing of my life. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I've noticed over the years with you guys in your show, speaking of the 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 older catalog, is there seems to be a I don't know a fascination obsession would be with the urge fans and one track specifically, midget basketball. Yeah, that's that's hilarious because we put, you know, that song came out in, I don't know, 90 or 89 yeah. or something like that. And <laughs> we used I, to play it. Yeah. And people are, people seem to be obsessed with it. But when we play it, the people are like, oh, okay. I think, I think there's like this little love affair with the, with the title. <laughs> oh, I'm 100%. I, I think. It had been forever since I saw you guys perform it. And then I was right. at the uh, the pageant show that was the original, the, the farewell shows to the urge where I think you guys played for eight hours. It, it, I mean, I, th- I don't we, think there was a song. for a long time, yeah. I, don't, I think you literally played the entire catalog. I can't think of a song <laughs> that you didn't play. And you played remember, a lot of stuff. As the show went on, and you hadn't played it, and you hadn't played it, and you hadn't played it, it got to the point where I remember I, you just going to the mic and going, all right, we're going to play it. Here we go. One last time. We're going to do it for y'all. It broke into it, and the place lost their mind. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, you guys have a eternal and immortal place in St. Louis um, due to such a great relationship you guys had uh, coming up with the guys at the point. I, I started off yeah. as Donnie Fandango and Matt Costello's intern which is right. where I originally got to meet you guys before I ended up getting my own job and then moving on to the record label and management side of things. But yep. what I love so much about you guys is how you guys remain fans of music and, and fans of new stuff and never developed the rock star attitude and rock star um what's the word I'm looking for sense of above it all that a lot of people get once they break out of their city. Like you still embraced, you know, we're, we're a yeah. global band, we're a national band, but we're still St. Louis's band and we're always going to be the urge. Yeah, no doubt. It's, uh, it's just how we are, you know, it's, yeah. I'm a huge music fan, so it doesn't stop us from being big fans of music. You know I mean? Just right. you get some stuff going on. You, you need that music to get, you know, influences from, you know, or ideas or some inspiration. So, um, I mean, the way we get music now is a blessing. I mean, like being able to just stream anything you want at any time is unreal, man. It's just like, almost feel bad. It's like, I get to get out all this music for what? Um, so yeah, so now it's like a great time to be a music fan. And I'm even, I think more so, just a fan you know of right. new stuff and there's so much out there where did the relationship with you guys and 311 start i mean obviously sonically there's a lot of similarities but where did yeah. you guys first meet and how did that friendship get formed uh we first met in atlanta it was a 
music festival for radio station um, at Georgia Tech. And uh, I think Helmet was headlining and 311 went on like early on the main stage. And then we went on later on the side stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember who one of them approached us and said, hey, great show. You guys are great. And it was kind of the same thing, like, you guys are great. And then it just kept kind of this, like, no, you guys are great. Right. They were like, hey, you guys want to go on tour with us? And uh, we were like, yeah. And they're, they were just starting to, like, take off. Their, their first record came out not much uh, long before that festival. So that's, that's where we met. We met down in Atlanta and just kind of stayed in touch and then eventually started doing some shows with them. And they would come through the Midwest and do shows with us. Right. And our crowd really grabbed onto them. And they were already kind of hitting down south and out east and stuff and out west. So our they're like our, you know, we started like doing well with their crowd. So it's just a nice mix and we just stayed on the road with each other for quite a while. Bean is currently involved in the music scene as you as you still are. What do you see as the differences now for, for bands trying to break out of the St. Louis market now versus when you guys were going through it in the, the late 80s, early 90s? I mean, right. obviously, there's not nearly as many venues as there once yeah. were to, to play live. But uh, aside from that, what do you see as the maybe things that they have now that you wish you did versus things that you had at your disposal then that bands now don't? Yeah, I think I think the mindset is the same as uh, the hustle mindset you get out and you work hard and you hustle and you do more work than the other band does. Um, I think that remains the same. It's just how you do it is differently. I believe, you know, so how we used to go out and hand out stuff, hand out flyers for shows, or we used to send out mailers or just hustle that kind of way. Now kids, you know, bands are hustling in a different kind of way. They're hustling with, you know, on YouTube and, you know, on social media and, and, one thing I can think remains the same is you have to get out and play live as much as possible. So I, I think that remains the same, get a van or get some vehicles and get out there and play any show you can in every city. Uh, for, for us, we, we concentrated on a particular region for a long time, uh, which was the Midwest Right, uh, is easy to, and from St. Louis to get, you know, within a five you know hour, radius we could get to quite a few towns um sure we so we concentrated on that until you know we got an agent to help us out to book some more shows outside of st louis but i think bands are now it's easy to connect yeah like bands can connect with each other in different cities so much easier now say hey let's do a show together you know like a new york band might be interested in a st louis band say hey let's play a show together i'll meet you out there vice versa. So I think right. that's much easier to do. So there's some differences, but I think, I think playing as much as possible is definitely, you know, still the common thing between us back then and bands now. All right. One last question and then I promise Jason, I'll let you, I'll let you ask another one. You're good. Being a radio guy that I am, I, I always ask this when I talk to bands. Um, do you remember the first time you heard your song on a radio station outside of St. Louis? And how big of a, or where was the, what was the defining moment where you realized this is happening and we're going to take off? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Question number one, and I, I could be wrong here. 
but I, what I remember is hearing our stuff that came on receiving a gift of flavor when we independently released it, started hearing it in Atlanta. We started just playing down there, you know, every once in a while. And the radio station down there just started just playing a lot of it. And you start and you drive into town and hear it. And that was pretty awesome to hear it in Atlanta, you know, not in right. St. Louis, Atlanta. It was really cool. Uh, the moment I thought we were like, where we had something as a band, like, uh, you know, this, this solidified and said, hey, this is, you know, where we're going to really start to do this. And I think we have something going is when we put out our, I think it was our second, we put out putting the back home back. I just posted this on Facebook, but we've been tooling around the city for a long time playing small bars and for, for quite a while. We put this second record out. And we put a lot of effort into promoting it and making it the best sounding record of all time and putting the cool songs on it. And we sold out the venue that night and which we weren't expecting. I was expecting maybe have a couple pe hundred people there. And we put about a thousand people in the venue. And I just thought, okay, this is something like we have something here and the show was great. Everybody knew all the words or like to the past songs. So we, we figured out that we had to just keep building, building and building, building. Okay. So I, I get a question now. So here we go. So, so, um, so obviously played all over the country, all over the world. Uh, is there a favorite venue, let's say outside of St. Louis? I know a lot of people yeah. when I've asked that question, a lot of people say the pageant and because the pageant, I think we kind of take for granted in St. Louis of yes, how great, great that venue great. is. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It, it's because people are just like, Oh, it's just the pageant. You go down there and watch a show and it's like, cause Chris knows and you probably know you go to a lot of places like, the pageant's really, really like a it's great really nice. place for not only fans, but I think for yeah. bands and the sound. Um, yep. But outside of the pageant, then uh, what's another place that you always look forward to going? Is it somewhere in Atlanta or is it somewhere else uh, in the United States or, or some, or, you know, anywhere, even Missouri, even. Right. Probably my favorite club to play in outside of St. Louis was the bottleneck in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Great room. Yeah, it's just something. It was so electric in there. I think the place only held like 600. But, I mean, you were right there with the crowd. I mean, you're right at your knees. And it just got insane in there. It got mm -hmm. really crazy. So take Mississippi Nights okay, and cut it in half. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was the vibe in there. It was awesome. So was it a creepy crawl, small? A bigger uh, than creepy crawl. Really? Probably, maybe, not probably by much. Maybe a little okay. bit bigger. Maybe yeah. Okay, because that's like because I'll be honest, I I missed Mississippi Nights. Okay. Um, so I I went to a couple shows at Creepy Crawl and then didn't get Mississippi Nights before it closed. So yeah, Mississippi Nights held about a thousand people or maybe like eleven hundred. Yeah. And um, the bottleneck is not quite that big. Right. Gotcha. So uh, I'll do some. I, Go ahead, I had a venue written down that I thought for sure he was going to say because every rock band mentions one of these two rooms. The Green Bay I one. Down, I wrote down Machine Shop in Flint, Michigan, mm. and the nine thirty the nine thirty club in Washington D.C. And nine thirty in D.C. Those are both fantastic. Yep. <laughs> every band both in the world iconic too. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, that's usually I think the go to when we talk to people. So. Uh, it's cool to hear a different one and kind of how you get play that one. 
Uh, I'll do some quick hit questions on the music yeah. side before we kind of go into uh, uh, the hot dog stand. So uh, most, I guess you're, who is the most influential band for you? Most influential band, the police, definitely the, uh, the police. Awesome. If you say band, if you say artists. Okay. Say- okay. Next question. Artist. Okay. <laughs> so definitely police for band for artists. Prince is like, mm. he was like the quintessential. He was like the full rock star. He was, he was the rock star. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so favorite, uh, favorite song to play live of any band, either your solo stuff or with the urge. Oh man. My favorite song to play live four letters and two words. Yeah, the urge song. My stereo album. She's mm-hmm. got so much like groove to it. Uh, I, I love I love plans. The energy of like from my side of it is awesome. Uh, so Chris kind of like took this one. <laughs> I had this one kind of like so put to the side as like when you like obviously when you say you made it. So that was kind of the next question I had. But uh, when was the moment when let's say you're in St. Louis when you realized you kind of got recognized in St. Louis for being in the urge or being a local musician, let's say. So when you're kind of like walking, you're like, Oh, Hey, can I get, let's say get a picture or get autographed? Was there, do you remember that moment at all? Yeah. I don't know if I remember the exact moment, but I remember, I recall going into a vintage vinyl, which I went into a lot Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, getting recognized, not, you know, not just by my folks, but by the, the people who worked at Finish Vinyl, all of a sudden they're like, hey, what's up, man? So that was a big deal for me. But yeah, walking in there and fans knowing who you are and the people who work there, mm-hmm. like knowing who you are, that was a huge thing. Yeah, that's uh, still one of my favorite shops to go into, no matter what. Oh, you yeah. just go in there and it's just, you got to get lost walking up the yeah. aisles, just checking everything out. Even from time I was 16 and then I went in there, I took my daughter um let's see probably before everything got shut down it was when we went by and we were going to Fitz's and I walked across the street and took her there and just kind of walked yeah. down the aisles and showed her everything and I'm like man still like ingrained in your head is still you know so great to just go down the aisles and look around yep the so, vinyl will never die yeah it won't. I think it, won't. it has a particular sound that would never die you're right yeah it's you know what's funny is I, I think that due to the internet and computers and things like that we've reached that pinnacle of like the best quality of music we'll ever get as far as sound quality. As far as but, sound quality, yeah, no doubt. But you're you're right. Like, there's just something about that warm sound of vinyl that mm-hmm. to, to music fans, it's like sitting in front of a fireplace. It's yeah. just, it's, it's all-encompassing. And I think that that will always have a place in music. Yep, that, that particular sound that comes on, from a record is uh is still attractive and even the young like young kids still find it attractive so that's it's pretty awesome yeah it's made a massive i would say i guess a comeback was i I saw i saw the uh stat last year that for the first time since uh what was it it was like early early 80s that vinyl outsold cds yep yeah which is what you think about just kind of like how that kind of come back as much because cds now yeah. you don't see a section for cds anymore you see a section for vinyl now when you go to most stores yeah because the cd is like basically low quality digital audio right you know so things that you stream now sound better than cds um but yeah so, so there's no reason to there's no reason to buy a cd except for nostalgia you know but <laughs> that liner <laughs> notes 
I mean, we're, we're really the last the generation liner, that cared right, about yeah. liner notes. Like I, I, I'm telling you, I used to get every CD I get, I'd put it in and my first listen yes. through, I always had the book in my hand and Flip I was looking open, at the yeah. art, reading, right. the lyrics, reading the thank yous and everything. And you know, yeah. nowadays it's give me my 99 cents or your 10 bucks a month to stream, whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So let's get into uh, another one of your adventures. So Steve's hot dogs, which, uh, I say it almost opens up to another new set. I say of fans. So now you, you have obviously your music and then now you have Steve's hot dogs, which is down on let's get the address. Correct. So I get it right. Three, four, five, seven Magnolia Avenue in St. Louis. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about like how, how the whole idea for Steve's hot dogs came along and how um, that kind of came to you as a possible venture to pursue. So the, the hot dog business started um, as a as a way to possibly fill a gap. We were playing a lot. My, my and my guitar player were doing um, our acoustic show quite a lot. And uh, one year we did like a couple hundred shows. And wow. what I just noticed was coming out of those venues, there's small places. Um, usually in you know, like you know, areas where there's tons of clubs and bars. You walk out, it's just a mass of people who come out with nothing to eat. So I was like, man, why, how come nobody's out here feeding these people? And so I had seen it in Chicago. I had seen it in New Orleans, like the whole street food culture in New York. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, any hour of the day, somebody's on the street that can sell you a hot dog or sell you some food. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm like, we don't have that here. So I'm like, I'm going to buy a hot dog cart. And I just kind of just floated the idea around to a bunch of people. And they're like, man, I think that's a good idea. So I just did it. And I started just dragging that cart around with me at some of our shows on the back of the truck. And um, it was doing pretty good. And then uh, I figured out that there was in a lot of different municipalities and different towns, you can't sell hot dogs on the street mm-hmm. legally. So, uh, so like, we know what, let me switch over to doing lunch um, during the day and then I can still play and, you know, I can still have this little side business until I figure something out and, Lunch really turned into a good thing. And so we were down by the factories, um, like Procter & Gamble soap factories downtown. Okay. So I was feeding factory workers, you know, like electricians, most of the truck drivers that came through, um, the MSD workers down there. So that, that was a really good deal. So when the weather got terrible, I figured I needed to get a brick and mortar. Um, and I re- I, feel, I wanted really wanted to be on the hill, so just like the like the vibe of this little little safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of tourists come through there, and it's central in the city. So I really wanted a hill, and I just kept scouring until I found a little place, and we opened the first shop there. And that was 2011. Yeah. God, has it been 10 years? Yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yep. That's great. And so currently on magnolia and i saw your special right now the uh volpe dog it looks fantastic <laughs> it's really good <laughs> i need to I, I need i think i need to uh, make a trip this weekend down there so uh, <laughs> yeah. that might that think it's going to happen so that's Sweet. really awesome that you like found another kind of business venture that you know this market didn't have or was right. missing and now you know obviously and that was kind of before the food truck kind of Boom yeah. happened. There wasn't really a food truck kind of maybe here yeah. and there you hear stuff, but nothing, nothing, not how it is now, where you like have a place like Nine Mile Garden where that's like a yeah. everyday thing, or food truck Fridays, or all this other stuff right. that places have, and you yeah, kind of like we were, pioneered it. 
we didn't have any street food culture. There was, uh, you know, every once in a while you hear about a hot dog guy someplace, but, you know, you, we didn't really have that culture here in the city. And uh, I think we came along at a good time because social media was free still. Right, <laughs> right. You could post things on Facebook and it would just hit a massive amount of people uh, for free. And then Twitter was just coming on. So from a day-to-day basis, you could now get in touch with your, uh, with your customers, like regularly, like, this is where I'm going to be, blah, blah, blah. Before that, we were doing like text marketing. Text marketing was like the only kind of mobile thing you could do at the time before Twitter. And then uh, right when we opened our shop on the hill, Facebook was like in its prime. So it really helped us get the word out on that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of really great in how early on you kind of started this. And now with the brick and mortar store, do you have any desire to kind of maybe like venture back into that, go into maybe like like the street cart every once in a while? Like I know you got the brick and mortar store, but maybe – Maybe with shows starting back up, maybe uh, maybe a special appearance here and there. Um, I, I think what we're what we're looking at now is is, is more expanding into uh, more Steve's hot dogs, especially mm-hmm. getting out of the city and getting into the county areas. Mm-hmm. Come to St. Charles. Come to St. Charles or, or West Love County. You know, whatever. Yeah. So it'll take um, it'll take a minute, but I, you know, it's not our focus right now, mm-hmm. but. We're, we're putting together like a vehicle slash cart that we'll use for catering. So our That's catering awesome. is, Smart. Uh, is, a, is, a, is a big side of our business. And this will just make it a little bit more festival when we festive when we go out and do our catering jobs. Mm. I have been to more than one uh, Jimmy and Kelly Mano party that was catered by Steve. Steve yeah. <laughs> Those are some good dogs. Yep, thank for you, sure. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, and then I'll do another my quick hit thing with we'll wrap up this little section. So uh, your favorite creation for Steve's hot dogs. Oh man. Creation. I probably would have to say the gorilla Mac and cheese dog. Yep. yep. Came together nice and easy, but you know, it's, it's, it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's, that's a, that's one that I've had. And that's the one I uh, gave my uh, daughter and she said, this is the best hot dog ever. <laughs> and I was just like, really? I'm just like, I was, he's like, when she's like, when do we go back? I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll come down and we'll come down again. Don't worry. But no, she's a real right. big fan of that hot dog. So yeah, so definitely that's a well known in my family. So yeah, so definitely that's a, that's a good one. So you can't argue when the kids eat, can't do that. No, can't do that for sure. So obviously being a blues podcast, we'll kind of venture into the blues portion of uh, why I want to talk to you. So obviously the Blues for the longest time, as Chris knows, I mean, you might know as well, the Blues, when they won or whatever, had used song number two by Blur. That was the go-to song when the Blues won. They right. had the people come around with the flags, everybody cheers, yay, and everybody yells woohoo along with the song. So yeah. that's the normal kind of go-to. And everybody was asking the Blues and maybe maybe via social media or you know fan surveys or whatever they had. So they wanted them to have an original song by st louis band kind of like you know like i would say like chicago you have the um chelsea dagger which obviously well known and whatever but so they yeah. want the blues to have their own so so about two, 2017 2018 the, and the all of a sudden the blues announced that they had the blues have the urge goal song is now officially the blues goal song so um 
I guess, first off, tell me how did uh, the Blues come and approach you about this and how did that uh, come about? Yeah, they're um, the people, uh, uh, you know, in charge of this music thing came to us and approached us about the idea of um, a goal song. And they kind of gave us a little bit of direction. They were looking for something that was that you could chant to um, that was easily, you know, uh, accessible musically. So it wasn't too complicated. Um, and so we had some, we had some, some place to go on it. Um, then they, they said, you know, pitch us a few ideas and then we'll go from there. So I think we came up with like four ideas, put them down, um, in our studio and then gave them over. And the one that they chose was, uh, was the song that, that they play now. And so it, it, it came together pretty fast. We like, mm-hmm. <laughs> John started playing something and, you know, we got that little jam, 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 and then I started singing like, you know, what I thought would be a great little chanty hook that would go on top. And then we just went with it. And, uh, and, and they were like, okay, that's it. That's it. And it's so pretty brilliant. Cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's one of those, sometimes things come together pretty, pretty fast for us. A lot of times it doesn't, but that one came together pretty quick. Um, we were ex- super excited about it. Like the, just the chance to have the goal song. We were like, mm-hmm. what? Like, let's get this done. So it lit a fire under us and we locked that out, went and mixed it. And then uh, they're like, hey, go, so let's go, let's come check it out on the big system and see what it sounds like. Oh. They, they cranked it up with nobody that's in awesome. the That was a pretty damn cool moment right there. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, were you at opening night the year that they went to debut it and the blues didn't score until like five minutes left in the game? Yeah. It's like, oh like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you guys got commissioned to do this, did you Google and, and listen to any of the other goal songs around the league to get an idea of what the vibe of the songs were? Or did you guys just go, this is us, this is what we do and let's go. Yeah, we we had heard like a lot of the goal songs from the other cities, um, mm-hmm. and I think I think the Blues wanted to to kind of get in because a lot of like I said, Chelsea Dagger and all these other cities had local bands. The um, one that always pops into my mind is Dallas, and that Pantera did the song for Dallas. Yes, yes. So the Blues wanted that, and I guess the fans wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's how they that's how they came at us. We we did listen to the songs, kind of get a vibe, and I said it's got to have a pulse, like almost like a march to it. Yep. Um, and then that's where we began, just something people could stomp their feet to, clap and hey, and chant to. So yeah. What I think the coolest part about your song is, and I don't know if this was something that you guys had thought about when you wrote it or not, but I think it it fits or transitions seamlessly out of the organs the saints go marching in straight into right. your song. like i think they dovetail perfectly yeah well, i don't think we were trying to do that but it works <laughs> it definitely works i i think it's because like you said there's there's so much history in, in the blues organization with the organ and and, and blues style music that oh, yeah. i think it's almost just like it starts with the old organ and the old blues when the blues go marching in. And it's almost like this transition evolution into your sound. And it's a great, it's a great segue. And, and obviously the, the audience and the crowd loves it. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I'm a season ticket holder, and I I love the song. Yeah. As soon as it was available, I downloaded it and made it a ring. Yeah, it's on here right now. So I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was like incredibly nervous because blues fans are very vocal. <laughs> yeah, let's go with passionate. Like, I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, yeah. The yeah. Queen's organization was like, this is killer. They're going to love it. And I'm like, well, I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know. You'll know one way or another. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's also a very cool for, like you said, a local band, but it's also something that, you know, like obviously I know you have a daughter and stuff. So you're going to be like, as you get older and older, that's the song, man. Like that team's going to be around forever, you know, for a really yeah. long time. And that's yeah. like, like you go to the game and like, that's me. Like yeah, now it's yeah. like you're officially part of the fabric of the team. Right. That's 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 the most amazing part of it is um is that you hear it now every game like mm. that's that's the cool part of it you know but you, you you hear it in the background when they're you know yeah on when TV. it's on ESPN or when it's on TV it's like holy cow yeah yeah that's it's really cool and then it's also you know obviously on for social media uses for obviously for the Instagram and stuff that's like one of the songs that's on the type in blues that's yeah. the first song you know like which is great so you put that on there and blues fans use it all the time now so i think it's really cool for not only st louis to have a, like i say a local band finally something we can call our own and it's not you know the song that you just kind of use for whatever so uh very cool there so uh again chris any more questions i think i'm gonna go ahead your hands up I, go ahead i have one and it's just it's one that i know the answer to but i know that a lot of local people here will want to know if they don't already know the answer so I would say your unofficial eighth member of the urge is one Mr. Donald Fandango. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I've known Donnie yeah. since I was 15. For those who may not understand, how did the relationship between you and Donnie, the band and Donnie become as, as tight as it was and to the point that literally Donnie Fandango and the urge are married at the hip and always will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we hit it off with him like pretty much right away. Like he was, he was just starting off at the point, and we were just kind of coming up and doing our thing. And you know, he's a he's a great guy, and I think he just appreciated the fact that we were nice guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And fun to hang out with. Um, so when when we play shows and he'd be around, or when we go, you know, into the studio or something, we had fun with him. You know, he he drank with us and party with us and so we yeah we we had a good time he's like he's our boy there is there there is no one i have met on this earth who is a more passionate fan and advocate of music than donnie fandango Mm -hmm. yeah he's a true music fan i mean he's he um he listens to so much he stays on top of things he doesn't get caught in his own like his old ways music why he's always on top of things he's a huge music fan yeah, it's refreshing, man. Yeah, he's so. uh, he's been on the show a few times, and I love him like he is one of my own family. And you know, I, through him is how I met you guys the first few times when I was his intern and things like that. And it's just, it's it's always been cool to me. Like I we referenced earlier is that you guys have kept those relationships, and and the fact that you guys and Donnie are so close and and continue to do really cool things in the in the city is awesome. And I'm glad yeah. that we've been able to have you on the show now and kind of complete this whole circle. Yep. I appreciate you guys having me out. Anytime you guys want me on, let me know again. I'm coming. Well, yeah, whatever it. you want, man, the door is open. Yeah, we always talk about the door is open anytime. 
So uh, before we get out of here, I want to make sure we, uh, like I said, Steve's a hustler. So I want to make sure we get all his upcoming shows. And if I miss any, like I said, please jump in, Steve, and interrupt me. So first off, okay. before we get into the shows, obviously, once again, Steve's Hot Dogs at 3457 Magnolia. Uh, also, check them out on Facebook uh, and I believe Instagram also has, for Steve's Hot Dogs, if I'm correct. That's correct, yeah. And then check them out. And uh, uh, you guys, like I said, awesome stuff there. Uh, head down there and order you some food today. Uh, okay, so we got that out of the way. So the show's coming up. So you have two. So one's a rescheduled show. So yeah. from rescheduled, we had incoming storm that never happened that night. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, we could have played. Yeah, so incoming, <laughs> it looked like it was going to get bad. And I'm like, oh, it's going to look bad tonight. And uh, right. yeah, because me and Chris had tickets and we were getting ready to go. Right. And then I had to tell him like, oh, uh, they just canceled the yeah. show. And I, he's like, and oh. I get there was, um, there was lightning and some heavy storms that looked like we're going to brew us. So there's no way they could do a show that. Yeah, I, I got why. But it was just funny. As soon as the thing moved to St. Louis, it like went north and dissipated as it hit us. And I was like. Oh, it didn't rain at all. Okay, well, that's yeah, usually yeah. how, like Chris said, that's how it goes. If you don't cancel the show, it's, it's going to pour yeah. and be awful. Yeah, then it's yeah. going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's on sixteenth. That's next Friday, I believe. Yeah, yes. next Friday here at uh, Driving yeah. St. Louis, which is the the old Mills Mall for anybody that's there. So it's got moved now. It's a triple header, and obviously with Bitter Pill and Extremely Pointless, and Steve Ewing will be uh, Steve Ewing Band will be headlining that. So uh, make sure you go into Driving stl.com and get your tickets for that so the other show big show i would say that's coming up uh august 14th uh the urge is playing with soul asylum so is that's at is that at the St. Louis music park correct yeah the new music park yeah right out so, there in uh Maryland heights yeah yeah so it'll be kind of a nice thing to see because that is the kind of i say new new venue that you know nobody really yeah. got to play last obviously with unfortunately with covid hitting it kind of canceled a lot of the shows out there so it's kind of nice you guys kind of be you know, one of the first acts, I think, to really kind of play there and yeah. kind of christen yeah, we that. Yeah, um, we were going to be the first act last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a show booked in June, and so we're still going to be like one of the first to play out there this year. And yeah, we're super excited to be doing the show with uh, with Soul Soul Asylum, and then um, oh gosh, who else? Juliana Hatfield's on the show. Uh, Local H is on the Local show. H, yep. That was the almost yeah. reason. So perfect. Yeah. So make sure go get your tickets. Uh, yeah, go ahead and I think it's that ticket master. You can get those. So check those out. Those are two shows upcoming. And did you have any uh solo any other uh shows coming up that I am missing? Not that I can think of the rest of right now. But uh, just those two, but, like uh the rest I got I have some private gigs I'm doing, whatever, but as far as like public ones, I think you got it. I think got, you got it. it. Okay, that's the ones I can find. You know so, the yeah. rule. You know the rule with St. Louis and amphitheater, Steve. If you're opening Uh-oh. up a new amphitheater, you have to start a riot. So I fully expect <laughs> there to be a riot when you play the music part. Right. Just ripped them chairs all up. <laughs> start some fires. So yeah. it'll be a good time. So yeah, and also if you want to check out uh, Steve, so where can everybody find you on across social medias if they want to see the upcoming gigs or what else do you have yeah. going on? Um, all, all the socials, I'm, I'm pretty active still on Facebook, so I'll just post the events there, um, or, or Twitter. So you can go to any of the, any of the socials and just look up Steve Ewing music and you'll find it there. Perfect. So, yeah, so that'd be great. So then we'll, uh, kind of start to wrap up there. We'll talk about our socials real quick. So you get a hold of us. It's on Twitter. It's at blues hockey NHL. Chris, I'm at Hossapalooza. 
Um, we're also look blues hockey podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, also find our website. It's blueshockeypodcast.net. Uh, if you want to download the podcast there, but you also find links to find it in many other places, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, Pocket Cast, all the cast, any kind of podcast app, we're on it at this point. So, um, and I think that's going to wrap it up. So I really appreciate you coming on, Steve, our big 200 show. Uh, really, ex- Yeah, so we got this far and I'm really excited to have you on. Like I said, open invitation anytime you want to come on. You talk about anything, want to talk some want to talk some hockey, want to talk anything, door is always open. Word, appreciate that. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Thank you guys.